Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture, and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape, both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. U.S. Girls is the musical name for Meg Remy, a very talented American artist who calls Toronto, Ontario home. Following a lot of acclaim for and activity behind her 2018 album In a Poem Unlimited, Remy has returned with yet another artistically ambitious and moving new album. It's called Heavy Light and was released by 4AD Worldwide and Royal Mountain Records in Canada on March 6, 2020. Just ahead of the grim announcements regarding states of emergencies and measures prohibiting groups of people from gathering at things like concerts because of the COVID-19 novel coronavirus, Meg and I had an extensive conversation about her star-studded new album, its conceptual lyrics about psychology and how our relationships with our parents shape us as people, the musical choices on this record, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 532nd episode of Creative Control featuring the ingenious Meg Remy of U.S. Girls with your host, me, Vish Khanna.
Hi, Meg. How's it going? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. I'm well, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh-huh. Is it weird talking to me that we're usually when we talk, it's at Jules Cafe? I know. I miss Jules. I'm hungry. I, <laughs> I'm the same. I miss it. Uh, but we're we're apart. We're geographically separated, so yeah. it's uh, it's not possible today. Uh, uh, Jules is doing well, I hope. Um, yeah. I mean, they're always packed. I think that they need some help in there. I would like to get oh. in there, and because uh, I've managed a lot of cafes in the past, and I just have some tips for them that I think I've thought many times of writing them like an anonymous note. <laughs> <laughs> what? What if what if somehow they're listening? <laughs> if you could say one thing to them if they were listening, what would you what would you suggest? The notes from me, I guess. No, um they need they need to have two staff on. They can't have one staff on doing coffee, food and ringing people up. It just it's not it doesn't work and it's really stressful for the one person. Is there an actual Jules? Is there a person named Jules? I don't think so. It's like fake French. Oh, right, of course. But they, okay. well, I, I mean, can... I don't know what fake French, it's real French, I guess, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just like the decor, but it matches the decor. They have two locations. Oh, I didn't know they had two locations. Yeah, there's I've only one been like one. up and by on Mount Pleasant, I think. Oh, well, it's lovely. The croissants, I mean, really I love, I really, I yeah. really enjoy it. I, I'm going to pretend we're there now with the hustle and the bustle I know. and all that. Red walls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, congrats on on your new album, uh, Heavy Light. It's it's unbelievable. I'd say if I if you don't mind me saying, you have to say that we're friends. <laughs> I'm on the no. show. <laughs> no, no, I don't yeah. have to. I I if I don't feel well, first of all, it's my show, so I don't generally talk to people if I don't love That's the thing nice. you're making. That's a yeah. good rule. No, it's a, how are you feeling? I mean, I know you you know you're just moving along in your life and you're making these things, but does this feel particularly ambitious or or different? Uh, from other records you've made? I mean, it doesn't anymore. It's really, it's done for me. But at the time of yeah. making it, yeah, it was because of just like, for me, it was a challenge to sing live. So, you know, tracking vocals live was something I hadn't really ever, I hadn't done before. So it was a lot of preparation for that, months of it. So it was at the time feeling really challenging. But now it's just it's it's over. What inspired the decision to track your vocals live for this particular record? Mm, couple things like making poem, <laughs> which was so the vocals were so labored over and so touched and just done over many months, and I just didn't want to do that again. So like kind of making, po yeah, it was making poem, but then touring poem. So like the difference of doing that really labored thing, then doing the songs live where it's like, you just have to do them and how I, I enjoyed that so much more, <laughs> you know, and the songs came alive in a different way in the live setting. And it was interesting to see like how moving your body changes how you sing, hmm. things like this. So... That was a big part of it. And then I got obsessed with Frank Sinatra <laughs> for a period of time. And and then it kind of, and then I got obsessed with Shadows in the Night, that Dylan Sinatra record. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And that's all recorded. You know, that's recorded live with no headphones. 
Yeah. It's like so beautiful. And it was just, yeah, I just decided I wanted to do that. I also had to, you know, I, I, I I wanted to make it while still on tour. So it was like I had, there was a week for me to do it. So it was like, we need to just do this live and get it all done. Well, that's all very fascinating. Yeah, the, the, the Sinatra recordings and the Dylan recording that you reference, uh, all done with the band in the room. As you said, Dylan recorded Shadows in the Night with no headphones, so there's yeah. bleed. You hear him breathing. You hear him taking breaths. Yeah, uh, and, I love and it. I, you hear his, a, like, knees cracking. Yeah, it's a very intimate-sounding recording. Um, are you someone who previously, like you mentioned in a poem, Unlimited, I assume making a record is a, a kind of laborious process. You you might overthink things, but when you're in the moment singing live, did this teach you about letting go? About just saying, "Well, that's that's what happened." I mean, that's that's all for I can do. Sh- for sure. I mean, I think performance taught me that before, oh, of course. and so that I could do this, even do make this record this way. I just got yeah. touring poem just got so into performance, just like. Right. is everything and really even to an academic level of reading about it and you know just it is kind of the for me the best mindfulness i can get the best mm. in the moment not thinking about anything but each you know not really thinking just reacting and and being present so yeah now, in terms of vocals, you mentioned your, we, we've talked about your own vocals, but there's a particular emphasis on the voice uh, on this record, and you collaborated with some interesting people to to make that happen. Among them, Critty, uh, oh, yeah. your friend and mine, Critty mm-hmm. from Toronto, uh, and there are others as well. Can you talk a little bit about the people you collaborated with um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe what they brought to you and your practice and, and to this album? Well, Critty, I mean, they have this, rec- this record, they're and poem both probably wouldn't exist in the way that they do without Critty. Critty and Basha both. Critty, uh, you know, I, I, I can't remember. I think maybe 2015 is when I started seeing Critty for vocal lessons. And she came recommended to a friend and just, you know, I instantly, we instantly became friends, not just teacher, student. And Critty is amazing because... I went to her and it was, you know, a little bit funny to be like, I'm a professional singer, but I don't know how to sing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what you mean when you're talking about pitch. I never thought about pitch before. You know, like I had never, I, I had never really thought about singing. I always just opened my mouth and whatever came out came out and that was good enough for me and but I started losing my voice I started having some problems and I I I instinct instinctually could realize that I was like I need I could do better right I didn't yeah. know what that meant but and I think also just my idea with the ideas for songs I needed to have more skills in order to to carry them out. So I went to Critty and stood before her and had to say, I'm a professional singer and I don't know how to sing. And she was just, her response was, you're great. Don't you, you know, we're not going to change you. We're not going to change your voice. We're going to preserve your voice and make it stronger. And she never says, Oh, you're not, you're doing that wrong or, or something like this. She's just, she has the best bedside manner really 
for teaching, teaching the voice has got to be a delicate thing. You know, people are so sensitive about their voices. It's so personal, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. So Critty, I owe her so much, so much. And she was just huge on preparing me to do this. You know, I, I would go to her house and we would go through each song. We would break it down where the breath goes. What's the story here? What's, how are, you know, what are you trying to convey? And that was a big part of it, more so than you got to get this note right or something. It was something she said a lot was like, tell the story, just breathe and tell the story, get lost in that. And I was able, you know, to do it then because of her. It was just, yeah, I am forever indebted to her. And Basha is another one that just was so, you know, Basha and I started working on this, I think, in the fall, what what year is it? Fall 2018. It's, yeah. Right. So we were kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. And we did the Polaris thing with all the singers. Oh, yeah, right, I think right, that, right, right. I think we had maybe already, we already were talking about the record at that point. I think the Polaris thing was kind of a, maybe even like a test of how getting, you know, working with a bunch of singers. And then we started demoing. I started going to Montreal and Basha, and I started demoing stuff um, with Tim Kingsbury, who you also know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, Basha was, I wrote a bunch with her. She arranged a bunch you know, Basha plays like 15 instruments or something, you know? So it would, she's very, very talented. We're doing very, very these talented. demos and she's like, I'll do the, get the, I'll lay the bass down and then I'll do the shakers. And then, I'll, you know, like she really built the demos and, and her voice too. I mean, she's singing and playing piano live on it. It's just, it's incredible. She is such good feel. She, I think she, yeah. I think, I don't think she gets enough credit as a, as instrumentalist, I think she not. isn't yeah. regarded like in that way. I think she's regarded as more of a pop, you know, singer, singer or something, or, you know, this girl next door thing when she's actually got nasty feel. She's so good. Mm-hmm. And she can mm-hmm. also play any song that you say. Like she's like a, a living jukebox. It's so fun. <laughs> so. She she sang a bunch on it, you know, and did a bunch on it. Like James Bailey, who was who sang on on Palm Two, and he's he was back and just did a ton. I, I mean, that's the thing. Each singer, they didn't just sing; they pretty much arranged for themselves too. You know, Critty did a bunch of the big vocal arrangements. Um, kind of took my demos where I had like little stock. Bosch and I had put little stock backing vocals in and she took it and elaborated on it. But then each singer would, you know, get the, get the demos and tailor the part to their voice. Or like Doro, Dorothea Poss, who's just insane, another insane talent. She, yeah. you know, she pretty, and that's the thing of working with these people too, where there's no ego, you know, Critty's like got the job of doing some arrangements, but then she's like, I'm going to get Doro over here and just put Doro on the mic and let her go crazy because Doro's going to have some good yeah. ideas. You know, it was none of this, it was really no ego stuff, which is 
the best. <laughs> when it's everyone loses themselves to the song, right? And it's all about what's best for the song. It's not about, oh, I did this or credit or, or some other thing. It's just working for the song. So you talked about how Critty suggested you tell the story of the song in with your voice, and you mentioned all the ways in which Basha and other people have sort of uh, helped with arrangements. And in terms of the lyrics, I, I guess the most literal aspect of the storytelling here, did anyone else help you here? With lyrics? Is most, yeah. Uh, no, the only part that... Well, there's a cover song, Born to Lose. I didn't write that. That's written by Jack Name, mm-hmm. so that's his song. I just told mm-hmm. it in a different way. Yeah. Um, and the song, And Yet It Moves, has a Spanish translation of some of my lyrics. So that Cassie Richardson done, did. So uh, Cassie is in the, she's on poem as well, and she's in the live band, and she's a dear friend of mine that known from when I lived in Philly. Um hmm. She she did the translation, so we we wrote that song together. One of the reasons I ask is because uh, I, I'm I'm sensing a thread throughout this record, um, and what I'm picking up on with Heavy Light is that it seems to be a lot about parents, our relationship with our parents, our relationship with our own childhood, and uh, you know, there's lots of references to to being born and and coming coming up, and I think maybe some psychic pain a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what i'm picking up on what is any of that registering with you yeah yeah i think it's pretty clear that that's what the record's about i I didn't try to hide it at all (laughs) yeah you know i know these things are open to interpretation i I appreciate you saying i appreciate you giving me a good mark on my thesis Uh, (laughs) (laughs) what inspired you to take this tact with this particular album was something going on in your own life, or oh, I think it's just where my mind's at at this at this point, or or, or not even my mind is even shifting away from that now at this point. This is where it maybe was last year or over the past few years, and I think that just comes from age, being of a certain age, being partnered with someone for ten years now. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been in a relationship that long. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oftentimes when there's maybe, I don't know, in a rela- in a relationship, it's like two childhoods dating, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like living together. You're, you're taking oh, yeah. these two d- really different experiences. Uh, experiences of, of of how to be a human and you're putting them in the same bed and saying like sort it out basically and you know uh that brings up a lot of stuff uh i started i had been like enrolled in talk therapy you know off and on since i don't know i was 14 or something and i had latin last year or something started a different type of like a body-based therapy somatic therapy and that okay. was a totally i mean that just kind of shifted a lot of things for me i had never it had become apparent to me that i'd never really ever been in my body <laughs> like ever and so what does that mean well, i don't know what that means exactly can you elaborate it means that i just was so I, I was and I am so cerebral. Uh, I think I 
process my feelings through my brain. We all do, right? But like, I never felt stopped to, to feel my body, to say, huh. what, what am I feeling? You know, like actually, not, and not just saying what my brain feels, my body feels. And like, I started realizing things like, I trip all the time. I'm so clumsy. I'm always hitting my head. I'm all these things. And it's like, because I'm not embodied, I wasn't embodied and I'm still working on it. But that was, I mean, because there was so much, is so much stored in my body that I was, I was attempting to flee from. That's why I ran upstairs to my brain and just lived there, you know? And I think we all have so much stuff stored in our bodies that we're, we're fleeing from that, that I think it comes out eventually, whether you want, you want it to or not, you have to deal with it. And it often, you know, it shows up as symptoms. So this is stuff that you're processing on this record. Is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm always, I mean, yeah, not, it's just the record happened to coincide with processing, you know, it's not, Mm. it's not, uh, it's also just interesting to me. I don't know. Like there's the more that I talk with friends and things, it's amazing how much, how, how hesitant people are, understandably. Mm. To, to dissect their childhood or talk about their parents in a critical way. I think there's an idea that to be critical means that you're being mean or that you don't love someone or you're being disloyal. When I, I think it's actually the exact opposite. Well, for some of us, and myself included, it takes a bit of trauma or fear to truly confront uh, your relationship with your parents. I mean, for me, it was the prospect of possibly losing my mother yeah. uh, that made me reassess this relationship. And now, you know, if you had told me three or four years ago that I'd be ending every conversation with my mother with I love you, I would have told you you might be, you know, a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, That's not yeah. something I would normally do or say. It's not a sentiment we necessarily express to each other, but, you know, now we do. And so I... One of the things that sticks out on this record is you have these um, vocal collages where people are, uh, I assume there are, I recognize Tim Kingsbury's voice, Tim (laughs) from Arcade Fire, my friend, your friend, and and I recognize his voice as someone, um, you know, on these tracks here. Uh, There are Advice to Teenage Self, uh, The Most Hurtful Thing, uh, The Color of Your Childhood Bedroom, Mm -hmm. Um, and basically, actually, can you explain what those are i just all i was going to say is i reached out to tim to be like man these were really moving hearing you talk um was very moving about these very uh, they're kind of straightforward questions but they Uh they just lead to so much reflection and i can hear the pain that it dredges up in everyone's voice but again i haven't really can you characterize what these are for people and why they're on the record oh they're just prompts they're like you know almost you know, if you've taken a creative writing class or something, you know, it's the kind of thing that they give you a prompt and you write for 20 minutes on that topic or whatever, you know. I thought that was a mm. an interesting thing to do out loud. I thought it would be, you know, for people to have to 
kind of instantly respond without thinking too much about it. I did I did a workshop, a theater workshop, and my favorite prompt was the one that we had, you know, we were given one minute to write on. I thought that was because I couldn't think. I, I, I couldn't sit and be like, is this a good idea? Oh, should I put this? It was just like you kind of just had to put down whatever. She only had a minute. Hmm. So I, I've always done like weird, you know, little skits and interludes and things. I think that they're, it's just, it's their... It's just my style. I don't know. I'm into it. It's, (laughs) (laughs) it's, I think it's, for me, music is, it's, it's kind of a really, a broad medium that I'm always trying to fit other things into. You know, I'm deeply interested in theater and I think I'm, you know, these are my little uh, attempts at a little kind of, social theater and they also they just i think they zip up the record you know and that's something max said when he when i i gave them and we we were because max mixed the record you know and when i gave them to him to kind of listen to with the rest of the record he was like this is the record now it it makes sense it zipped it up it's just it, it it it's a it's a it's a whole picture now and i feel that way it's also just nice to hear voices too. There's something soothing to me about it. Absolutely, and and these as you talk about it, when I think about the the skits or the interstitial things that that you place on your records, they almost always involve the human voice. They all they're almost always some form of dialogue or or conversation. But this is different. What you've done with these uh, these these prompts. Um, the way they come together almost conversationally is interesting. Um, can you, why did you, so for those who have do you want me to do it? I don't want to spoil anything, but I, what basically there, is it fair to call them kind of vocal collage? Yeah, they're, they're collages. And, and what, what prompted that approach to having these, um, these prompts are, are presented to these people. I can hear the hesitance, like the hesitancy, and I can hear the kind of real deep thinking about the prompt mm-hmm. uh, in the answer. Like I can hear people, the halting kind of nature of it. But then yeah. you've mixed them so that they are together, which I think gives them a kind of galvanization. You're not alone in dealing yeah. with these feelings. Is that maybe what you're going for? Yeah, I think also just that we have to talk over each other. <laughs> it's impossible mm. not to. Because everyone wants to get in what they want to say. And I think that that's okay. And mm. I, it was interesting for me when I started cutting up the dialogue, you know, cutting up the words and, and moving them around in logic or whatever, like that I could listen to more than one person at once. And that was mm. really interesting and felt very uh, symbolic. It felt very... I don't know, a good lesson. I, I I think that is kind of the nature of humans, too, that we are going to talk over each other. And it, and it happened kind of, the, the stacked quality kind of happened accidentally. You know, I, I cut up everybody and I kind of placed all of this, you know, 
I asked everyone the same things. So I went through and I cut everybody up and put all of those answers together for each prompt, you know. So yeah, here's all yeah. the childhood bedroom ones. Here's all the whatever. And then I accidentally they were all on and I listened to them for a second and it was like, whoa. So it was a kind of accident oh. I stumbled upon. It wasn't, I was initially going to kind of have people isolated and one after the other and I was messing around with other stuff and and it was, yeah, the, it was interesting to hear that quickly, them all on. But then I felt that it made the the the, the space where there was no words actually more effective and uh, kind of descriptive having lots going on that when there would when someone hesitates or like you said you hear them breathe it's very rich there's Mm -hmm. it feels as important as the words that they then say so I'm I think they're the for me they're the best thing that I've ever made in, in the, music. The, the vocal collages? Yeah. The collages are the best. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. You said that we all talk over each other, and it made me think that um, about the fact that I think so much of our behavior as adults is dictated by how much we felt heard as children. Does that make any sense? Of course. Is, is that, that something you're getting? Yeah. Do you think that's something you're getting at a little bit here? Like, I, I'm thinking about the way you've You've, you've couched communication on mm. this record. Mm. Uh, I think that's really significant. Um, uh-huh. was it, is that going on here? Like just being heard, being listened to, uh, feeling like you have a voice. I feel like some of the, and I mean a lot of this, again, I don't want to get Freudian here. I'm not a psychologist, but I know a lot of this stems from our the way we were raised, the way our parents treated us, the way we felt like we had agency and autonomy and i feel like that's happening here yeah definitely i mean i don't okay. i don't yeah i don't under i don't know how to be otherwise i don't know think i i don't know this is the meaning part one of the meanings of life in my mind is or in my life or whatever you want to say is is this looking back in order to understand forward basically i just it's something i realized really early on and i have found that the the more i do it where i'm really doing the hard work and challenging myself the the better i feel actually and the the better i function and my relationships are better. My my focus is able to become very sharp. I I realize what matters. Um, I think that's what's interesting about capitalism is that it can really be the perfect kind of balm or salve for wounds, because it's always there to distract you, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I think that because there's always something to buy or something to want, you know, and you can kind of just place that over the work that you maybe is is crying out to to be done. And and this this work doesn't it doesn't pay. You know what I mean? So a lot of people are 
wh- how are you going to do this work? Say you got three kids and you've got a full-time job. It's like when you're not busy, you don't want to be then digging through your body and your soul. You know what I mean? It's like you want to yeah. chill out. So it's it's hard. It's work that it has to be self-propelled. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times it comes out, like you said, it was your mother getting sick. But a lot of people, you know, this work comes out through something worse, like they get a DUI, or they, which I don't think is bad. I'm not judging DUI. I don't believe in any, I don't believe in laws. But like, you know, something happens and they're, someone's forced to do this work. And that's, that's a different, that's different too. I think yeah. when it's self-propelled, when it's your idea to do it, is when it's the most, yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you see the, the, the record as being subdivided by themes, per se? You were talking about economic disparity uh, and classism there, among other things, and I think about Four American Dollars, which seems to be a, a song about the erosion, the classist erosion of money, like a physical money to, to diverting us all to plastic, uh, to which you know obviously some people don't have credit histories and can't do that, and uh, this is really a war on the poor in so many ways. The, yeah. the, other, the next song is overtime, which is another thing we don't think about: how much people are working, uh, and then and then IOU. I mean, that is obviously <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that can can have a financial, almost an exclusively a financial connotation um Mm. i think of your records as being very organized if that makes any sense like i feel like you you're thinking a lot about the sequencing and and how the songs maybe relate to each other um i just cited one example there in terms of money more or less and capitalism Uh, is it is that accurate are there other things going on i mean yeah I, i never thought about that those those three songs in a row like that being linked or that they could be linked to that but yeah i'm organized i'm a i'm a total control freak and (laughs) that's one of my that's why i like making records or or going on tour because there's all these moving pieces that you've got to get in line in order and then it's a big payoff when it's all work it's all running and you're like you can see what you did and what everyone else did and you and then it's like it's like your baby's takes its first step or something you know it's very ah yes okay this is what all this was for and it's hard you know you hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Wanna, or I wanna, you know, I'm obsessed with Bob Dylan like everybody else, and you watch these interviews of him, and he's so cool, and he's so mysterious, and he's holding back so much. He's not giving you anything. You know what I mean? It's like... I, I wish I could be that way. You know, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. I'm very earnest. I, I, I'm into not hiding. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, yeah, I think the, whatever, the themes and what I'm trying to say, it's all, it's all pretty apparent. And, I, and, and I gotta talk, and you know, I'm talking about it a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying a lot of the same things and, that feels almost embarrassing at times. Oh, why can't I be a cool person and, you know, uh, say something clever and veiled? And, you know, it's like, yeah, well, I just, I would have to go back and remake the record. I'd have to live a different life. I'm not really like that. So for me, the most cool has always been when you're really not cool. So I don't know. <laughs> It's, I can see, I can see, I can see you getting tired of saying the same thing, but I think it actually uh, re- reflects a certain nobility that you have a consistency of vision. I mean, sure. if you were giving the different answers for the same, que- it's yeah, on us yeah. too. If we're all asking you the same questions, then it's maybe our fault. But we all, I think, I don't know. There's a whole other thing there about not trusting information. So sure, sure. I, I, I didn't. I made a point. I generally make a point of not reading. Uh, if I have to interview someone or talk to someone in this context, I don't yeah. really read the other interviews for the oh, press yeah. cycle. I just, I listen to the record and I kind of think of things. So if I've asked you to repeat things no, or no, say no. things you've already... You, you can't know. <laughs> I, and also, it's it's same for me. I don't read the stuff. I'm not going to listen to this, not because I don't like you. I'm just like, I don't do that yeah. because I wouldn't be able to then keep saying the same thing either. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I would be... I'd be critiquing myself too much. Oh my God, I can't believe I said that. And and then it's also, you know, when you do these interviews, I mean, this is different because I don't think you edit. I'm assuming you don't edit things out of time. Like you're not going to take what I just said and put it as the first thing. Whereas, no, you know, no. with written articles, you don't know what the heck they're doing. Yeah. Uh, they can really make you say something you didn't say, I think, and... That it's better just to not for me to just not engage in that stuff. But it is there's a I understand why people have personas and why people kind of protect themselves and don't give it all up. Because I, I'm actually yeah, I'm I, I find it because I try to be upfront and just as as I don't know, real's a weird, I don't know what real is, but as, as real as I can be, it's, it is dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. it's also very tiring and, um, you can see why people make characters for themselves. Well, and I think they also, I mean, in Dylan's case, I don't know if you know this, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bob Dylan obsessive mm. myself. I've, I've, I've written a master's thesis about Bob what? Dylan. What? I want to read it. seen him like... I've seen him like 70 times or something Holy since 1997. Wow. Every time you and I talk, we talk about some American icon like Springsteen or <laughs> Dylan, and we discover we we have these alignments uh-huh. that maybe we didn't know. You've got, uh, by the way, Jake Clemens. Is Jake yeah. Clemens on your album? Yeah. Is, is this a Guelph-related thing? Because I, it as is. I recall... It is. As I rec- you were you at that show. The hill- 
Yep. I kind of feel like I had some sway in this. I don't remember if I played a role, but Jay Clemens was playing the Hillside Festival, and I don't know where what happened, but I... Yeah, anyway, he ended up playing with you live Yeah. Uh, during your set at the Hillside Festival in Guelph, and then now he's on your record. Like, how does that feel? Jay Clemens. Yeah, he's such a crazy player. He's just <laughs> so good at saxophone. It's unreal. It's really wild. Right. Um and- yeah, met him at Hillside in the catering zone. I just, I, yeah, he's he's I amazing. And it I turns out anything? that, no, you didn't do anything. You just took some photos. I didn't do anything, did I? I no. t- oh, I took photos. I thought there was yeah. some weird thing I did. But anyway, yeah, no, it's no, good. No, I good. just walked up to him and said, listen, I've seen you play. You're such a good sax player. Do you want to come jam with us at the end of our set? We do this improvised you know, thing we were in yeah, the yeah. P- the poem band was doing like a long kind of jam out at the end of the sets, and he was a little skeptical. And <laughs> you know, who's this chick? And then he walked away. He was with his daughter. His daughter was very nice, and they walked. You know, we I, I ate with them and just kind of chatted at him <laughs> for a while, and <laughs> then he walked away. And I was like, he's not gonna come. You know. And Max was like, no, yeah. he's going to go back to the hotel. He's going to Google you and he's going to come. And I think that's what <laughs> that's basically what happened right before we were about to go on stage. He showed up with his saxophone and he was like, yeah, let's do this. So the, the, the you know, we gave him the key of the song and I told him I'd tell him when to come up and he came up and you saw it. It was great. And then it turns really out he well, lives yeah. in he lives in Quebec. And so we're we're there last summer playing a festival and josh daniel who's playing bass is walking down the street and he runs into jake and and jake's like oh y'all y'all are, y'all are playing tonight or whatever and he's like can i come play <laughs> <laughs> so he showed up at the show i think it was like montreal jazz fest or something and he showed up with his horn and came and played with us again and 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 then it turns out him and Cassie went to the same college and they know and they were there at the same time and they went to the same house shows. Oh. They know all these similar people. So it kind of just became a you know, he just became what he is, which is just a musician, you know, that you meet. He he has all this he carries all this weight because of, you know, who his uncle is and the band he's in, but he's really just a shredder, like all the other shredders we know in town, you know. So well, he's also uh, he's also a gifted multi instrumentalist. Like oh plays my gosh! A lot of stuff. Oh gosh! Yeah. So much, yeah. so much. So he it was a no brainer to get him on the record. You know, he he he's not far from where the studio was, and just called him up, and he was he was down, and he came, and then through that, Marika Galia, who played upright bass on the record, met him, and now she's his bass player. Oh wow! Okay, that's great. I like I like I like when the the savants convene and then they become friends. This is all great. It was great. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, it's so funny. I get I get asked. I mean, obviously, I get asked about him a lot, and it's 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 so it's it's really funny. It's funny how cultural capital works. You know. Well, it's probably a bit surreal for you to think that someone from Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. He's playing on your record. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I kind of feel like a <laughs> troll. <laughs> well, because also I realized Springsteen had done that Jimmy Webb record. Oh, right. And then I got Jimmy Webb 
you know, a part of a Jimmy Webb song on the record. And I'm like, man, I'm ultimately, yeah, I'm like ultimate trolling Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) The song you, you wrote is Woodstock 99. And what this is, okay. This is a nice segue into uh, my next question, I suppose, because Uh we've talked about uh, Dylan. We've talked about Springsteen. We've talked about Clarence and Jay Clemens. We've talked and Jimmy Webb now came up. So I sometimes feel like you are, you're very, you mentioned you're a very straightforward person in so many ways. Uh, and I feel like you're occasionally talking to the American songbook in mm. your own work. Mm. Uh, we mentioned Sinatra. We mentioned Dylan as well. We've talked about a few figures. There's many instances on this record where you are, I think, deliberately and overtly kind of referencing the American songbook. And I want to ask you, I'm just going to throw them out to you and just ask you what's going on. Okay. And you can, you can deflect if you want. Okay. But you okay? So we mentioned uh, yes, we mentioned Woodstock '99. There is a, a significant reference to the song MacArthur Park, which was originally a, a hit song for the actor Richard Harris, and then mm-hmm. Waylon Jennings, I think, did a ver- lots of people have done Donna Summer, yeah, lots yeah. of different versions. Why why do you reference the song in Woodstock '99? Because Woodstock '99 is about my dear friend who until very recently lived on MacArthur Park literally you know he lived on the seventh floor of an apartment building that looked down on MacArthur Park so uh it was you know I wrote the song after I was in LA and, and visited with him and we were at a diner and we had this great talk about high school and our lives and I, I wrote that song on, on the flight home. I just it just kind of came out and then when I, I took it to Basha because I had it written vocally. I could I was singing it in my mind when I wrote it. So I took it to Basha and sang it to her and she found the chords. You know, we picked the mm-hmm. chords. She would say, "Do you want this chord? This one?" You know. And then because I said MacArthur Park in it, we started messing around. You know, it, you instantly start singing MacArthur. You know, it's like very hard not to. So then when I'm I'm in D.C. doing other demos with Rich Morell, who lives there, I, I play him that song. And he's like, oh, you got to put MacArthur Park in there. Just put it in there. You're already basically putting it in there. Like, let's just do it. You know, and so he then picked he picked the chords to walk down into that part to get us from my song into MacArthur Park and out again. He kind of wrote that little step down thing. And wow. it just was like, we can't not do it. And and this is, it was, I had never, I, I, I couldn't think of any other song that was kind of written in that form where it's like you, you kind of plop in another song in. I, and I know it exists, and I, but it just, it, it was so pleasing. It was just, so, I mean, it's still so pleasing. Uh, when we're we're playing it live now, it's just like to to be on stage and see the moment of recognition in people's faces when they hear someone let my cake like they just people start laughing, people start crying. You know, it's a to recognize something, to know something is always a great feeling, right? Is so it, con- it is conceivable that some people are hearing you sing that and it makes them think of the weird Al Yankovic song Jurassic Park. <laughs> so if they're chuckling, sure, they're like, sure. first of all, MacArthur, MacArthur Park is an uh, complicated, it has a complicated history because it was equally scorned and loved. It went, went to like number two 
on the charts. Oh, it's an incredible but song. You like the I song. I love it. Oh, I okay. love it. I love it. I, I think, think it's. I can't. So it, it just reminds me of weird. It reminds me of Weird Al now in my life. I don't know what that <laughs> says about me. Do, are you familiar with his version of? I mean, I don't remember that one, but I can. I can. I mean, I'm, I would say I'm familiar <laughs> with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So okay. So that 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 explains that. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment in Born to Lose. Yeah. Where you quote Wooly Bully, I believe Patty told Hattie everything to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's Wooly. What, what, now that's another that's a classic American song and by the way I thought and I, we've talked about a lot of iconic figures are you a Patti Smith fan by chance? yeah for sure I mean I I'm uh, you know she was important to me as a teenager for sure Born to Lose your, your vocal on Born to Lose to me Patti's someone I deeply admire mm-hmm. I've had the luck uh, fortune of speaking to her a couple times and mm-hmm. I've seen her perform so she's she's significant to me and i've never really thought of that through line but when you're you're and i don't know you know you're working with critty you're working on your voice it's this is one of the first times where i've heard your voice in that vein where i'm like she kind of sounds a bit like patty smith and then you say patty told hattie Mm. everything to do and Mm -hmm. then wooly bully which doesn't really have much to do with patty smith really but (laughs) (laughs) there's a couple of things going on there i did again i didn't write that song so that's a song by jack jack name that came out i don't even know when uh when that record came out His, his first record called light show maybe 2013 or something and it's an incredible record jack's one of my favorite songwriters he's got actually a new record coming out this spring that's so fabulous but light show born to lose i've always been obsessed with that song of his always wanted to Mm. cover it and his his version's complete i mean the original version is so uh so different you should check it out it's it's really really different so you know uh, we it we couldn't not emphasize that line you know basha and i when we were demoing it and stuff it was just like we got to double this up and sing it like wooly bully you know how you can't not when when you're towing the line like that you know you got to step over it it's like you might as well you might as well and it's fun and i mean i that's mostly what i listen to you know i'm a total uh i'm i'm yeah i you know it's like when I find something that's modern that I like, it's like I become a super fan and I'm like so devoted be- because there's not that much s- stuff that I'm into that comes out now. And I don't know, that's just my taste or that's, I've got a chip on my shoulder about m- modern life. I don't know what it is, but you know, mostly I listen to music from the fifties and sixties, you know? Well, you do. You tend to make room on your own albums to highlight the work of others. On your last record, in a poem unlimited, you you uh, performed. A, you re- rearranged a Simone Schmidt yeah. song, yeah, uh, a songwriter that we we both love from Toronto. And in this case, you've done it again. Well, what does that say about you? I, I mentioned, uh, you know, I, at some point that I think of you as a really like a, a music fan as much as you are uh, an innovative artist in your own right. I feel like you are talking to your influences in some way um, when you're making records. But to actually give some space, some real estate on an album to someone someone else's composition, is this just is this a thing you always want to do or is this just happening uh, of late? Uh, I, I've always done covers, always. Um, I think it's just, you know, it's like when you wish you had written a song. 
<laughs> and then you can kind of act like you did when you cover it. You get yeah. to kind of, you know, make it yours momentarily or something. So, you know, Rage of Plastics, it's, that song is is a movie. It is a, a work of art. It's a painting. It's so, yeah. it's a play. It's, you know, it's so, uh, it's so, I, there's just no words for it. So it's just a no brainer. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to cover that okay. song. Right. You know, and, yeah. and then if it, yeah. if it, if it means, and I, I don't know, I like, Especially if you're doing, you're someone who's being interviewed or something like you're, it's kind of like a bibliography you're giving people as like a gift, <laughs> you know, like right. check out these right. people right? and like, and you know, it might be people, oh, I already know about that. But some, for some people they're like, whoa, what's Fiverr? This is amazing. Now I have this whole other discography to go through, you know, of someone ah, else's work yeah. that's going to lead them to what is what's you know five are going to lead them to i don't know maybe jennifer castle maybe you know like we're all on this tree <laughs> it's like mm. family music tree and there's so much to to find and i think yeah we yeah it's your job to kind of okay. send people down the branches well the last reference i want to ask you about uh, is from State House. It's a man's world, which, by my reckoning, has the "Be My Baby" drum beat. Would you agree? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't. It, it, yeah, it actually comes from a, that song. The original version of it that Max and I did years ago is actually has a drum beat from another girl group song, like a one ah. hit, a one hit wonder. <laughs> but you know, whatever. That that drum beat is. It's, just it is what it is it's so recognizable and it yeah most people it comes from that be my baby i just wondered if that was deliberate in any way given um some of the themes on the album oh. i know i know you're a music fan i just wondered i mean i'm a that song changed my life be my baby changed my life that it's a very distinctive and then he kissed drumbeat, me right? like all right. that phil specter stuff which i didn't know was phil specter stuff when i was a kid they're just the songs mm -hmm. on the radio. Those were always my favorite songs and my mom's favorite songs. And, you know, Be My Baby, it, it was, that song is, it, it that changed, yeah, that song changed my life. It still gives me goosebumps. It still resonates with me. So so there might have been some del deliberation in choosing this beat in this instant, in this, like for this version of the song. Um, well, it was in the, it was in the, the first version, you know, that song was on a record I put out in 2010. So okay. we, we just reworked it. So yeah, I mean, that was a decision that was made in 2010 because I was still really, I mean, I'm still in my girl group phase. That's never going to end. I mean, I just, that's my, my favorite music. It's just, it's something I've been incorporating from the beginning of, of this project when I started this project in two, 2007 or six or whatever, like that form, that girl group, that pop form, and then making it say things that it, those songs never said. Right. You right. Know? So sort of bringing them into the, the new world, so to speak. Yeah. 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 Did you know, Ronnie Spector was on my show. Really? Yeah. Man, I love yeah, some her. years ago. It was a bit kind of a crummy phone connection, but yeah, it should, yeah. If I, unless I'm making this up and I dreamed it, 
<laughs> which is possible. She's a, she was on dream. the show. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it, she was. It was it was fun and it was a thrill and um, and it, you know it's always a thrill to talk to you. If I have to say, uh, it. if I might, I don't have to say it. I, I appreciate your your time and going through this record. Was this useful in any way? I'm, oh, I'm, I yeah, feel, man. Was it helpful? Does this help? Everything, everything. I love talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering, you know. Sometimes you 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 you've hey. been open about the kind of like hamster wheel you get in when you're on a promotional yeah. cycle. No, so I, I mean it's. I, I'm, I, worry, I worry. It's I. It, you know I I. I'm relaxed talking to you. That's nice. I uh, yeah. I don't know about what what if it helped me. You know, it didn't hurt me. Okay, that's, say that. That's, that's helpful. That's helpful. I'll that's talk not to you. Ag- I'll talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the record is called Heavy Light, which yeah. we didn't really get into. Why is it called Heavy Light? I don't I don't mean to be so heavy handed in my questioning, but I didn't even ask you that. Why did you call it Heavy Light? It comes from a Kafka aphorism that Max and I, I got Max's Kafka book. It's just, yeah, aphorisms, translations of his Mm. aphorisms. And it's one that we kind of, we both, you know, earmarked the page and it resonated for both of us. And it's uh, a faith like an axe, as heavy as light. So it was, uh, you know... It's something that he and I talk about a lot and something that I am constantly meditating on and working towards, which is, you know, how to make (laughs) heavy things light and light things heavy, you know, give meaning Mm -hmm. to when there's not much and, and, and maybe shelf meaning when there's too much. So you're not carrying it around all the time, you know, and how to find the blessing in trauma. Is that possible? Hmm. Um, I found that it it is. It, it takes a lot of work, and it takes really kind of stretching your mind, and it it feels wrong at first. But I've really found that you know everything that that I've experienced, particularly traumatic things or what you would call a bad thing, those things really shaped me and made who I am. And I would not be the same person if those things hadn't happened to me. So would I want to take them away? I'm not sure, you know. And, and you can't now anyway. You can't, t- you can't make undo things. So if you can't undo something, how do you, what do you do with that? How do you carry, for- carry forward with it? And so, yeah, it's kind of, it's just the titles relating to that. Duality, the yin-yang. You know, all these things. And when I did the the cover, shot the cover with Jeff Burke and Viva, like that that image, that was the image. We got it. It was like, this is the one. And and it looked like heavy light to me. The image is a, of you and a child? Yeah. Is, uh, who is the child? Viva, my dear who, friend. Uh- Oh, she's your dear friend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I didn't understand that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a significant cover image given some of the themes that I was picking up on on the record and and what we've discussed about you know being a being a child, being an adult, being a being a parent, um, uh, your relationship with your parents. I feel like that is all captured potentially in that image. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, the record's wonderful, as I've said. I want to thank you for it. If people want to learn more about heavy light 
uh, where would you direct them on the computers mm, and the phones? Google. I know you don't Google. Google. It's it's on <laughs> uh, it's on what four AD and and Royal Mountain Records? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And you're hit. Are you? Have you? I know you're not. You haven't yet hit the road. You'll be hitting the road. Yeah, we April fourth. We have our first show in Detroit, and we're doing the whole U.S. And then we come back. We play Toronto, I think it's like May 15th or something. We play Vancouver somewhere in April. I don't know. Ask Google. Okay. Yeah. Ask, ask, ask Google. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And are you going to bring, is, is it the same band you had for Poem? Or is no, it a different band. Some, some re- returning players, but different. Yeah, we got uh, Evan Cartwright on drums, Ed Squires on percussion, Jordy Gordon on keys and vocals. Uh, Jordy. Max yes. on keys, guitar, vocals. Uh, Carlin Bezik from Ice Cream on bass and singing. Dorothy, nice. Dorothy Aposs on guitar and singing. Cassie Richardson on percussion and singing. And then I'm singing. So big band nice. again, eight-piece band. And it's it's good. We did three shows last month, and it was it's a, it's a hot band. Will you come to Edmonton, Alberta? I'd like to. I'm 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 trying to, you know, I really I want to do a Canadian tour. I've never uh crossed this land uh fully and done all the towns and I'd I'd I really wanted to do it on the last record and it didn't work out and so I'm I'm hoping it's going to happen happen this time. We played Edmonton Are once, you? but Yeah. Okay. So it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Are you I haven't talked to anyone on the show about this yet. Hmm. Is the COVID-19 stuff, coronavirus, giving you pause as festivals are canceled and I mean, the, Yeah, traveling? I mean, the tour might be canceled. I don't know. We're not flying. We're driving the whole way. And, I mean, I'm right. not, I don't know. I'm not scared of it. Okay. I'm not, it's, to me, it's, but that's the thing. I don't read the news, so I'm not. Right. <laughs> if I read the news, I'd probably be scared, right? Uh, because yeah, they're they're you blowing, you know, they're blowing it up so much. I just, I don't know. I, I, okay. I, I'm definitely gonna die. So if it's gonna be by <laughs> Corona, then so be it. You know. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's real. I mean, I know they just canceled South by, and it's like, yes, it's yes. pretty interesting. So we'll see. Well, I. Th- I think I know you're tough, and I think your philosophy is true. We all gonna uh, go sometime. Ideally, yeah. we wouldn't, but uh, yeah. I don't think okay. that well, ideally. No. I would not. I don't want to live forever. I don't get that. Well, I mean, ideally, it wouldn't be happening at a time when you don't want it to happen. How about that? Yeah. I mean, there's probably a point in our lifetimes yeah, yeah. where, like, you know what? I'm I'm kind of done. I don't need to do For this sure. anymore. That's what Max <laughs> always says. He's like, I just he wants to get old and then just and be like, can't wait to die. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like done, I'm done with this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I'm glad we're ending on such a cheery note. Yes, uh, yes. Is there, is, there, is there a song from Heavy Light that you would suggest we go out on? Woodstock 99, man. Woodstock 99, why did that come to mind? Because that, that's my favorite song on the record. Okay. Yeah. Just just like that. We, we talked about it a little bit. Okay. Yeah. yeah let's, let's hear that then. This is Woodstock 99 by us girls meg thank you so much for being back on the show and your time and consideration and i I wish you the best luck with everything going forward thanks vish thanks for having me you've got your mother and i got mine 
slept with yours at the very same time as us, seeking comfort from the bodies we were once inside. True isolated mother and child, where were you? Ninety-nine, first year of a four-year daddy time. You were sleeping through school, but not me. I did all my work just like you should. You watched it all, pay per view. Stationary cameras giving you a private view. What does it say about us? Our mothers, their TVs, and our looks. What does it say about us? Our mothers, their TVs, and our looks. What? Does it say about us? Our mothers, the TVs, and our books. What does it say about us? Our mothers, the TVs, and our books. Someone left my cake out in the rain, and I don't think that I can take it. Get old on the seventh floor. You look below to the park where you took me on that protest walk. There's really something about MacArthur Park. Now you live somewhere no one wants to get old. On the seventh floor, you look down to that park. There's really something about MacArthur Park. Very special thanks to Meg Remy of U.S. Girls for appearing on this, the 532nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all podcast platforms. All of them. That's the extra extra long all for covering all my bases. iOS, Android, YouTube, Audioboom, Spotify, Stitcher, all the things. Whatever you listen to your podcast on, the show is hopefully there. Uh, if you can't find an episode that you've been, uh, you know, someone told you about, maybe it's too old and it's not part of the feed on any of those things, but it's, you know where it is, it's on my website. And we know what else is on my website? Uh, information about me and also information about signing up for my newsletter. I just sent out a newsletter. So if you want to be a part of that, go to vishkana.com to learn more about that. Also, please visit my Patreon, patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. There is now a $6 or more tier that gets you exclusive access to my audio archives from past interviews I've done that have nothing to do with creative control. Uh, And I just actually, because I recently, as you're listening to this, I recently posted a a fresh interview with Caribou, 
from 2020? Well, went into my archives and found one from, I think, 2010. So I posted that on uh, Patreon. And for people who pledge or donate $6 or more, boom. Boom. So there you go. I hope you will uh, go to patreon.com slash creative control and uh, keep this show going. I'd like to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support uh, for this show. And also to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the program. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. Thanks again to Meg Remy for being on the show, and thank you. Thank you for listening to this show and subscribing to it and maybe suggesting your friends do the same. It means a lot. I will hopefully talk to you very soon. I hope you're all doing as well as you can given what's going on in the world with this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but just stay healthy, be mindful of others. That's all I can say. I'm doing my best to do that in self-isolation. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you very much for listening to me and the show. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.